you know, I, I just feel like this morning I could just say, amen, and go and do it. Like, <laughs> what we're focusing on this morning and talking about, we've already started to celebrate, and, and words of, uh, you know, prophetic words, words of knowledge were spoken out among, over us this morning. And I want to say yes and amen to all of that. Um, and I, I just do feel like I, we, I could just get off and go, and maybe some of you would be happy about that. But we do, we do want to, this morning, just focus on the value uh, of servant leadership and um, to remove the spirit of offense out of the room <laughs> and give us a bit of time to, to let our minds refocus. Uh, Bo, could, I just want to show you a video clip. Last week, um, Belinda and I had the privilege uh, with a few others from here to go and see Hugh Jackman. It was a great show last Sunday night. Uh, a great man, great, a great Aussie bloke. And uh, it, the Lord reminded me as I was going to speak about this, this topic today, um, about uh, a scene from uh, the movie or the stage musical Les Miserables, I can't even say it, Les Miserables, no, Les Miserables, and so have a look at the, have a look at the screen, this is a very, very powerful scene in the movie, and so I'm not, hopefully, yeah, cool, all right, we got the lights right, have a look at this, and just begin to allow the Holy Spirit to, to move on you again. Very powerful, isn't it? That entire um, movie and musical, although people may not acknowledge that, hinges on that one scene. Everything in that whole movie uh, hinges on that one scene. And it's an extremely powerful story of redemption and mercy. Um, the bishop himself is the key figure that extends mercy and grace and love and serves Jean, Jean Valjean, I think is the way you say his name. And uh, he does it practically through food and shelter. He serves him, gives him a bed to sleep in, warmth for the night, food and wine. But he also, you know, one of the things we can miss as a person of authority who had the power to basically end Jean Valjean's life, really, chose mercy and grace to extend that to him. Such a powerful, powerful show of, of, um, of mercy to the point where it actually saves Jean Valjean's soul and everything else in his life flows through. If you haven't seen it, you must. Go and um, hire it, watch it. We, we watched it with our boys and for all the modern movies and stuff, our, our boys were just engrossed in watching this movie as they watched the story play out. You know, it really is an honour to speak on what is servant leadership this morning. Um, I, I really do. It, like, I feel like many of you should be up here teaching me about this, this topic of, of servanthood and what that looks like. Because although this morning you need to hear me clearly, the topic is servant leadership. I'm going to talk more generally about servanthood or serving others but as we talk and as the points are brought out this morning, I want you to hear clearly as a representation of the leadership here, this is what we're about. This is what we commit to day in, day out. So we're going to talk generally because I think it's for everybody. 
but we, we really are on about this and the topics we're going to talk about, the three points I want to talk about this morning around um, servant leadership. Um, you know, I, I have to say this morning, this topic, it can't stand on its own. And when we talk about serving and service, we can't hold that on its own. I want to really encourage you, if you haven't heard the last two weeks of teaching, you must, we, we must hold these uh, two sets of teachings together, not in tension, but working together. They must work together. Because the reality of serving in the kingdom needs to be from a place of relationship with God. It must be. You've got to hear me clearly on that. We must know who we are and how we're loved by God when we serve each other. Because the, the flip side is that we would feel like we need to serve in order to earn God's favor. And that's not what it's about. Serving is about bringing the kingdom. That's what it's about. Serving is one of the great economies of the kingdom of God along with love, mercy, grace, hope. You can keep naming them. But serving is one of those things that becomes very practical. It becomes an extension to other people. And so why I say you will never, ever hear me talk about serving without, I have to mention, we're going to go to Mark 10, verses 35 to 45. If you want to start flipping there, now you can. But I can't speak on this topic without, reaching, without saying that the greatest commandment that Jesus talked about, and he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second is such as, as like it, love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus could not separate the two. They were hand in hand, working together. He gave them both as the greatest commandment. And so whilst there is a vertical service that goes on towards God, there's a horizontal, you know, a vertical and a horizontal, right? Yeah, that goes on um, between us and the Lord. And so for everything we speak about this morning, the premise is we're in a relationship with God. We know we are loved by the Father. Jesus has saved us and we're empowered by the Holy Spirit. We cool with that? That's our premise this morning. So now we can talk about um, serving and servanthood. If you haven't already turned there, turn to Mark 10. And I want us to take a journey through Mark 10 this morning, and I want to pull out some points. This message has about, been about three or four months in the making. I felt like the Lord said, next time you preach, I want you to speak on servanthood. That was about three or four months ago before we'd even got the roster or anything together. And... Uh, Turned out my date, as Nick said this morning, turned out to be on the topic of serving. So um, I was like, all right, Lord, yes. Love hearing from you and love working with you. It's a good thing. So Mark 10, fascinating chapter. Fascinating chapter. Why is it a fascinating chapter? And I want to encourage you with any time you're reading the Bible, what's the context of what's going on in and around all that's being spoken about? And in Mark 10, this is the lynch text in the book of Mark, right there, where we've had the build-up of Jesus's life, but in Mark, it's about Jesus as king, and he's about to enter into Jerusalem, where the back third of his book will be all about Jesus in Jerusalem, dying on the cross and rising again. So we're in that lynch time, we're in that, that switching between the two as Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. And let's be very clear through Mark 10, Jesus knows where he's going. 
and he knows what's going to happen. He knows what's about to happen to him. He speaks it explicitly through the, through the passage. But there are a lot of interesting interactions in Mark 10, and you might go, what do these all have to do with servanthood? And we'll get into that in just a moment. Stick with me. Is, can, for, the, for my voice, could I get a volunteer to come and read Mark 10 to us? Is that, could somebody be bold? Sure, David, come on, you were first. Stick, he's so bold, I love it. I've got it open for you. Thanks, mate. We want to read this. I want to read it all, and there's reasons for it. You'll hear it very soon. So stick with this. It's a cool text. 35. Uh, no, read the whole thing. The whole scripture. Mark 10. Jesus then left the place and went into the region of Judea and across the Jordan. Again, crowds of people came to him, and as was his custom, he taught them. Some Pharisees came and tested him by asking, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? What did Moses command you? He replied. They said, Moses permitted a man to write a certificate of divorce and send her away. Jesus said, It was because your hearts were hard that Moses wrote you this law. But at the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let man not separate. When they were in the house again, the disciples asked Jesus about this. He answered, anyone who divorces his wife and marries another woman commits adultery against her. And if she divorces her husband and marries another man, she commits adultery. People were bringing little children to Jesus to have him touch them, but the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I tell you the truth, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, put his hands on them and blessed them. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony, do not defraud, honour your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus said again, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, with man this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. And Jesus said to him, we've left everything to follow you. I tell you the truth, Jesus replied. No one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel 
will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age, homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and fields, and with them persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last first. They were on their way up to Jerusalem with Jesus leading the way, and the disciples were astonished, while those who followed were afraid. Again, he took the twelve aside and told them what was going to happen to them, to him. We are going up to Jerusalem, he said, and the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priests and teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles, who will mock him and spit on him, flog him and kill him. Three days later, he will rise. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. What do you want me to do for you, he asked. They replied, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. You don't know what you're asking, Jesus said. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptised with the baptism I am baptised with? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, you will drink the cup I drink and be baptised with the baptism I am baptised with. But to sit at my right hand or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. When the ten heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. Jesus called them together and said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever belongs, who, sorry, whoever wants to become great among you must first be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Thanks, David. Appreciate that. Such a great passage. Bo, could you bring up the, the slide deck for me? That would be great if you already have. So we've been looking at all things new over the last few weeks and the values of the vineyard today looking, obviously, as, as I said, at servant leadership. Uh, can you go? I didn't bring the clicker, mate. I'm sorry. Could you move to the next slide? And again, so servant leadership, just going to set the foundation. We make no assumptions. Jesus is at the middle. <laughs> He is the ultimate example of servant leadership, as we just heard throughout that passage. That is a simple thing, and for many of us that have been walking with the Lord for years, it kind of moves on us, and, and we're okay, we move on. The, mull on that. Think about that. Think about the passage, and let it be a new revelation to you of Jesus, the ultimate servant leader in all of humanity. There has never been anybody like him. Next one, both, we can move on. And we've been looking at our four ex new experiences as a result as we come to Jesus and we be, uh, as his disciples, we, ha that we are now in a new kingdom. We are in the kingdom of God. And put plainly, if, if you're wondering what the vineyard believes, where God rules and reigns. And the inbreaking in the kingdom is happening today, right now. It has already happened this morning and continues to happen. We have a new father. Oh, thank goodness right? <laughs> we have a new father and the father 
the Father who can love us, accept us, and we know exactly who we are. Again, go and listen to Kirk and Trent's messages over the last two weeks. We have a new life, yes, because there's no other way of doing life but with Jesus. If we get that taste, as the disciples talked about, we taste and we see that he's good, and we want more, and we want more. It's a new life, and Jesus reigns through all of our life. As Kirk just said, we die, but we get to live a full life as a result we get his life and we get a new family get a new family that's a good thing by the way you can look at the people around you (laughs) these are your brothers and sisters in jesus and what a family we are eclectic and different and created perfectly exactly who we are and praise god for that we celebrate that this morning in who you are all right but through all of those servanthood serving each other serving the father we do serve the the father and all of those things serving is operating and happening all the time throughout that with jesus at the core of all we do so with that in mind bo could you move on to the next slide keep going first one great i want to just quickly go into three things this morning around this passage um and, and talk about those from a perspective of, of serving and continuing to call us on. I love where we are, but I want to call us on and forward into more of serving. And you'll see why in just a moment. Let's hold on to that before I start deviating, as I always do, off my, away from where I'm up to. So, submit your will and authority to that which is good. We submit our will and our authority to that which is good. Simple statement, but let me just unpack this a little bit and pack it through the passage. At creation, God gave us dominion, right? And authority. Are we all okay with that? Yep. Um, we had power and we had authority under him. But when the fall occurred, that authority was handed over. We gave it over. And we gave it over to Satan and all his little um, followers. But in the midst of that, in, in the created order, we still had, still had elements of power and authority. The issue became, and if you have a look at Scripture, even with Cain and Abel, that power, rather than that or exercising that authority over creation and doing God's will and in relationship with God, what we ended up doing is we started to do it on, put, exert it on each other, started to dominate each other and exert authority and power over each other. And Jesus calls it out in verse 42. The rulers of the day lord it over them and exercise authority over them. Jesus himself is calling that out. Human beings, suddenly in our brokenness and outside of the kingdom, have started to exert that authority that's still in everybody that was given in a way that now begins to dominate each other, want glory, want honor, want power over each other. And that's outside of the kingdom. We've come into the kingdom of God where we died. And our will is now submitted to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And therefore, we submit our will to that which is good. Jesus said to the rich young ruler, why do you call me good? Only God is good. And so our will is now submitted to that which is good. 
as we see after the fall, and if we fast forward now into Mark 10 in the inbreaking kingdom, Jesus is presented multiple times with circumstances where people are exerting authority over different groups and different particularly vulnerable people. You might wonder why divorce? You see, in Jesus' day, and maybe it's still true today, divorce was a big issue. A big issue. Well, it still is today, right? But um, in, in this time, I don't want us to stay, and you'll see this part in the next point, but women were really vulnerable if, they, if divorce happened. I mean, really vulnerable in Jesus' time. And so the Pharisees are testing him on this idea of divorce and, and around is it lawful and what Jesus looks to is they're exerting it in all the wrong way around the law and having power over another group of people with the children and the disciples they try and push the children aside and you know they're not as significant and, and Jesus says no 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 these are central to the kingdom of God in fact you need to become like them in order to enter into it so don't exert that authority over them. Let them come. Let them come. And then, of course, James and John. Wow. Wow. Uh, Jesus just told you we're going to Jerusalem and I'm going to die a horrible death, really, really bad death. You get to see that every day as the towns we enter in, as you see people crucified. That's going to happen to me. Hey, Jesus, uh, <laughs> when you get into glory, can we beat your right and your left? Really? <laughs> really? That's where your mind went? You, you, like, I'm, I'm about to go through this, and what you want is this, where you believe we're going to be. You want to be at my right and my left in glory. That's what you're focused on right now? Wow, talking about a cry out for exerting your authority and over, or a power over another group of people, not to mention those mates that you've been dwelling with for the last three years, and we've gone you know, through everything together, you've just asked to be on over the top of them? Really? That's what you've picked up from me in the last three years? Wow. We need to submit our will, right, to what is good in the kingdom of God. And Jesus points that out to the disciples. And each time in each of those circumstances, Jesus points back to where the kingdom of God, the original order, what God wanted, he keeps pointing back to it. So he says divorce. He asks them, what about Moses and the law? And, and they say, you know, they go through their debate, and Jesus says, because of your hard heart. So he pushes it back on them. I'm not going to focus on the area of divorce. I want to get to the core issue here. This is about you and your heart. That was your hard heart. But even past that, let's take another step back and go, the real issue here is about people. And in the start, God created man and woman equally and put, brought them together. That's the core of what God wants and wants to be about. Not your authority or you're wondering who's right, who's wrong. It's about what God wants and what the kingdom looks like when in all of its fullness. The children are seen as insignificant at this time and a pest by the disciples. And again, with no rights. And Jesus says, don't stop them. Don't stop them coming to me. In fact, the kingdom belongs to such as these children matter in the kingdom of God. James and John, and here's the heart of the kingdom. You are not to exercise authority over each other to gain power. In the kingdom, you submit your will and your authority to that which is good. 
and that is God. And even if you're wondering how far that goes, the Son of Man has come and he isn't even coming to be served, but to serve and to serve each and every one of you to the greatest level that's possible and save your souls, save all of you. So what happens to our will and authority in the midst of that submission to what's good? Well, we get it back. We actually get it back. But now we turn it, that power and authority, we don't exert it over each other. We now exert it over the powers and the authorities of this world to get rid of it and to welcome the kingdom of God into each and every person's life. That's where your authority and your will now gets directed towards as you serve. Remember, serving, serving, serving. Your will and your authority is submitted to God. And now, take it over the powers of darkness. Re-establish the order that God wanted right from the start. All right, second one, second point. Man, I went down and worshipped when Beate, sorry, my Barute, my apologies, I'm so sorry. I went down in worship because when you're preaching and somebody gets up and has a prophetic word about a point you're about to speak, when you get up here, it's like whack. The Holy Spirit just drops on you. And uh, look beyond the noise to how the Father wants you to serve. So we've submitted our will and authority and we've aimed it elsewhere now to, to where we need to exert that. But have you ever noticed how much noise there is around us these days? There's so much noise around issues of the day. For instance, what if I said the letters LGBTI to you? What starts to rise up inside you? How do you view those people and the choices that they make? Does God love them? If so, how do I love them? If I love them and accept them, am I affirming their choices? Do I stand with Israel Folau or not? Right? Noise. Lots and lots of noise around just that one issue. What if I said abortion? Gay marriage? Safe schools? Islamic religion? That's all some bigger issues. What about if I talked about in your work circumstances all the noise of gossip that goes on around you day in, day out? Choices that people make that really infuriate you or frustrate you and so much noise around how, you know, what, what's going on in the workplace. These all are things and plans of the enemy, I believe. Because if we, even if we know our authority, if he can throw enough noise at you, either one to try and get you to cover your ears because it's so... There's so much you can't handle it, can't take. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to move forward. I can't resolve it. What do I do here? Just start shutting your ears off to it and closing off to what those issues actually are. Or if you can create enough noise to actually drown your voice out, to drown your voice out, he will do that. He's dirty. He's really, really dirty. If you haven't figured that part out yet. He's really dirty. He'll do anything he can. And often he's really subtle about it, extremely subtle about it, but just will chip away and chip away and try and silence or, or deafen 
whichever one, uh, with all the noise of these issues. Jesus has the same issues going on for him in Mark 10. There's so much noise around him. The Pharisees are continually picking away at the law. We're going to get him. We'll trip him up. So much noise just chucking all these things at him, all this stuff to distract him. And like the law of Moses and divorce. If he answers, you've got to get this. In Jesus' day, if this is a very volatile circumstance with divorce. Why? What happened to John the Baptist? He lost his head. Why did he lose his head? What did he do? He challenged Herod. You, you, your wife is your, was your brother. She divorced him. And now you've got her. The king of Israel. Now, they, kings were held in massively high esteem in Israel, even if they were bad. They still, to the last degree, they were the king. They were the king. If Jesus gets into this political situation, the noise, if he gets into the noise, they can get him. Not only on the law, but maybe then Herod will turn against him. Guess who Herod's in cahoots with? The Romans. Jesus is in trouble if he enters into this in the wrong way. So he's got this noise all around him, around the area of divorce. The rich and the wealthy, the young ruler. The greeting from the rich young ruler. Good teacher. In that day, the proper response from Jesus, because this is a man of stature, you know, the wealthy, they're very, we're still the same today, right? If they're wealthy, ooh, treat them with respect, give them special places. The expected response to, from Jesus would have been, good sir, yeah, good sir, back to you. Yeah, I acknowledge, yes, position, title for wealth here. Good job. And what does Jesus say? Why do you call me good? He just challenges him straight back, gets rid of the noise, pushes it aside. No, 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 I'm not getting into position, authority. Through, through wealth or things like that. I'm not going there. I'm not going down the gratification road. And by the way, I'm not going to affirm your identity in that place either. That's not going to happen as we talk about that. And then James and John's request. Wow. Who's who in the zoo? Who's got the power? Who's going to get the positions? Nice little comfy seats next to you, Jesus, in your glory. Who are the special ones amongst us? It's us, isn't it? Surely it's us. Come on, give us the seats. That's what we want. What do you mean you're not worried about that right now? <laughs> because I'm going to go and die um, very shortly. And we could go on and on. But whether in Jesus' time or ours, there's always noise. And I'm not trying to say or downplay the seriousness of any of those issues. Please don't hear me doing that. Please don't hear me doing that because that's also part of the noise that the enemy would want to create. What I am saying about it, though, is what Jesus does and what we need to do also when we think about serving others around this noise is he gets right to the core of what the issue is. And guess what the issue is? People. People and relationship with people. That's what Jesus gets to. Divorce. It's about women, not your rules, not your power. It's about the vulnerable. It's about whether they will have life or whether they will go into a state where they will basically be begging for their life. Children in the midst of that divorce also become extremely vulnerable for the rest of their lives. Children matter. It's the children that matter. So don't think that all my stuff that I've got to do or that's going on around me is as important. 
the, the people matter, the children matter, the wealth. Look at the laws that Jesus says to, Jesus, to the guy about what the, greatest, what the commandments are. You know the commandments, do not murder, that involves people. Do not commit adultery, people. Do not steal, people. Do not give false testimony, people. Do not defraud, people. Honor your father and mother, people. Relationships with people. He calls him and says, it's about people. And he says, I've kept all those. Right, all right, now let's get to the core of it. Your wealth. You are putting your wealth and your position above people. So go and give everything you've got and give it to the poor. It's about people. And come follow me because I'm about people and I'll show you how to be about people. People are the core when we serve. So in your workplaces, I encourage you, I really encourage you. Belinda was telling me just, just yesterday, you know, in sometimes in their work situations, things happen, people between people. It happens in, in a broken world. And, and she's asked, you know, how do you keep going? Or, you know, you're so skilled and talented. Why do you waste them here? And, and it keeps going. And you know what she did? She stopped. I was so proud of her. <laughs> like, yes, leaving out the message, honey, good job, up the back in the kitchen. Um, she said, she said, because I, if you don't know, Belinda's a swim teacher and helps um, people with intellectual disabilities have a quality of life through some swimming lessons and things, had great results, and also children. She teaches children all the time. And she turned to the people and she said, you know what, I focus on what matters, and it's the people we serve. That's, that's what matters. That's why I can move through all this stuff, because I actually turn my attention to what really matters, and it's them. So I still navigate those issues, but I do it from the core of knowing that I'm doing it about wanting relationship and connection with the people and to reach the people. Serve without, move the noise, get down to the core issues about people, look for the core issue. How do we look for the core issue? Our third point, Bo. We look beyond the physical and we see with kingdom eyes. That's how we get past the noise. Um, <laughs> we look beyond the noise. There's this, you, you know, um, a, a few years back, yeah, I'm coming into land, sorry, yep. Um, <laughs> Looked at the time for those on the recording. The, um, quite a few years ago, Belinda and I were living in Ballina, and I was out for a walk one morning. And we were in a time where we were really struggling with serving. We, we really were. We weren't enjoying. Uh, we, were, we were pretty burnt out and tired and, and not enjoying leading at all, leading people. We, we, we really weren't. And I went out for a morning walk, and just as clear as, clear as it was day at that time, um, I just heard this word. And it was just, it was the Holy Spirit. I knew it was. As soon as it came, I knew it was. And it was just, see. And I'm like, what? <laughs> Do you ever have those moments with the Lord? Like pretty much every day for me. What? See. And he invites me into that place where I start to talk to him about it. So I'm like, all right, I'll go there. What, what do you mean see? And actually he went dead quiet. Like, great. <laughs> for like months. I just kept hearing this word, see. See all the time. And I'm like, what is this? Why do you keep this... Why do you keep this word coming at me? And the Lord reminded me of that and the journey we've taken over the last 10 to 12 years out of that place. Praise God, thank you to all of you who have been so gracious in serving us. 
um, over those years, for many years where we were quite hurt and broken. You, you loved on us with the love of Jesus, and we're thankful for that. But the Lord was saying, see, and I now believe what he was saying was, don't serve out of, out of that position or title place. See the people. See the people. And that's what he was asking me to do. See, look beyond my physical eyes and look with his eyes to what's going on and what the Father is doing around us. At the end of chapter 10 of Mark, there's this beautiful passage, and it seems like an odd passage, but it's so core to what we're talking about this morning, where blind Bartimaeus receives his sight. And let me read it to you really quick. Then they came to Jericho, and as Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, Call him. So they called the blind man, Cheer up, on your feet, he's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. And the blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight, and he followed Jesus along the road. Through all of the stories, the rich young ruler and James and John, and now blind Bartimaeus, Mark is trying to teach us a lesson about what Jesus is doing through serving other people. And in this passage, the lowest of the low, really, a beggar, he, a blind man, he, he relied on, on basically people throwing change in, into his lap to survive. It didn't happen, he didn't eat, he wouldn't survive, which happened a lot. And um, here's Jesus. Look at the rest of Mark 10 and all that's going on as they begin to move towards Jerusalem. Now Jericho is only about a day's walk out of Jerusalem, so Jesus is really close. He's very, very close to coming into, into the place where he knows he's going to die very shortly. Think about, put yourself in that position. Think about that. You're on death row. You know it. You're heading really close towards it. And all that would be going on up in, in your head, in your mind, think, like, he's Jesus. I get that. He's still fully man, though. There's still, still things that he's wrestling through, right? He's not some superpower at this point where he just can flick him off and just go, wait, let's just roll on into that. It's not what's happening for him. Don't, don't think that. Like he sweats blood in the end, remember? It weighed on him. It was, he's a, still a man. And he's got all of this going on. He knows where he's going. He's got his disciples who are completely off kilter. Like he's going to die. And they're going, put us in the positions of power. So he, they're not on par with where he's going and what he's trying to do rich young rule is not the pharisees are at him like all these things are going on and here he stops in the midst of this journey for this insignificant man in the eyes of society this insignificant man and he calls him and what does he say what do you want me to do for you guess what else he asked james and john in verse 36 what do you want me to do for you James and so on said, I want positions of authority and power. Bartimaeus says, I want to see. Mark is using a physical... It's very important what happened to Bartimaeus, but Mark is using an example here where he's, he's pointing out 
what Jesus really wanted the disciples to have happen, they should have requested, we want to see you. We want to see. We want to see people like you see them. We want to serve like you serve. We want to see Jesus. And so how do we serve those around us? We look beyond what presents in the physical. Don't look just at what's right in front of you. At the moment that you have that thought, stop. Stop it. Claim it. Hold on to it and go, right, Jesus, Father, Holy Spirit, what are you doing here? What, what do I need to do here? How do I need to respond? What should I do here? It is a very, very powerful story throughout Mark 10 of Jesus showing us what it is to serve and how to serve. So I want to wrap this up this morning and I want to say really clearly three things that I think you can hold on to and remember really easily. As we value service and serving each other, and again, the leadership here are committed to these three things. This is where we live from, or we want to live from. We don't always get it right, but we keep it on that journey and we're committed to it. Submit your will and authority to that which is good. Look beyond the noise that's right in front of you to the core issue of people and see with kingdom eyes. Can you hold on to that? Yeah? I want to call us on and into that. Because serving, as Jesus pointed out clearly in Mark 10 and his subsequent death and resurrection, is the econ- one of the economies of the kingdom. It is, as the message calls it, the great reversal. The great reversal, where power and authority, money and everything else would be the way of the world. Our economy, our way of changing that is through serving. You know, I felt like the Lord said, when we do those three things this morning, and your word this morning just hit me when you said that, because I had this picture this morning that people are really good these days through the noise and other things of putting up walls. Really good at it, hiding behind the walls for all different reasons. And I felt like the Lord said, when we serve, what we do sometimes is we're the wrecking ball that, that hits that wall, that, that concrete wall, and smash through it like the lame is up passage i mean it just wrecks his world smashes right through it but you also the lord said but then the lord showed me a picture of one besser block one block and the lord said there are also times though scott where you feel like your acts of service may not be as significant the circumstance seems too big the one act that you do doesn't really matter and god God said he wants to encourage you this morning that you're like the chisel that's chipping away at the cement around one of those besser blocks where that you think it's insignificant but it's not you've chipped away at that one besser block and just gently removed it and it's just pulled down the wall one little brick at a time for some people that's what it takes for other people to be served and to know the love of God and be brought into the kingdom, it takes the wrecking ball. <laughs> for others, it's one brick at a time. So know that you are being faithful to the Lord and he is so proud of you in this area of service this morning. I do feel like he has so much joy over us this morning as he, in this area of service and valuing each other through serving each other. Keep going. Power on. Push through. Don't let the noise distract you. Keep bringing the kingdom. Bring the restored order of what God wanted. Can we stand together? Let's stand.